What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into Between the Stitches, baseball-only show, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. My name is Ryan. This is episode 33 of Between the Stitches. We got a ton to talk about today on this amazing, wonderful, beautiful, fantastic, outstanding, magnificent synonyms. April 6th, 2023, a full week of Major League Baseball games basically done. Yes, opening day was a week ago today. Yes, there's some teams who haven't played seven full games or six games with the off day. Yes, I get it. Even in today's schedule and scores, there are four games postponed due to weather, inclement weather. East Coast games, apparently the East Coast is getting washed out right now with rain. That is neither here nor there, and that is also not going to affect our episode today and what we talk about because we do have a lot to talk about. And only a week of baseball games has gone on. Okay. Updating everybody on the standings before we get into the talking points of this episode 33. We'll go through quickly because the standings are what they are and we can't really do much about them. It's not like it's this huge determining factor, the fact that like the Angels are four and two in six games. Like that doesn't it means something, right? I mean, it'd be different if the Angels were 0 and six. But there's not much to make of it after less than a week of games. That being said, going from American League to National League, east to west, the Rays have the best record in baseball right now, and they've only played six games, but they're undefeated. They're 6-0. and They lead the American League East, Yankees, Orioles, Blue Jays, Red Sox, in that order. Again, not much weight to be held into it. Cleveland came up pretty hot out of the gates. They're 5-2. and two. Twins are 4-2 and two in the AL Central. Uh, and the American League West. Uh, the Angels are four and two. The Rangers are four and two. The Astros are three and four. So it is what it is in the American League. And then at NL East, not many of the teams in the NL East have got out to a very good start, except for the first place Braves, who are five and one. Uh, five and one. The rest of the NL East is under five hundred, including the Phillies are one and five, and the Nationals are one and five. Yikes! National League Central, the Brew Crew, also off to a very hot start, five and one. Trailing behind them, the Pittsburgh Pirates at four and two. Moving on to the last division here, NL West, the Dodgers are four and two. Everybody else is three and three, except the Giants are two and three. The Rockies are two and four. So it's not everybody else. It's just the D backs and Padres. And I probably could have phrased that a lot better. The bottom line is the Rays are six and oh. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to start this episode off by basically summarizing some of the biggest talking points, baseball specific on the field related. And in doing so, I'm going to release basically major league baseball week one wild overreactions. Okay. Starting off with the angels are four and two. The Angels are 4-2. and two. This is the year that the Angels are going to get to the postseason if they continue to play the way they have. They played Oakland. They beat the crap out of them. Trout and Otani went back-to-back. -back. The Angels 
may be the best team in that division, and that is a wild overreaction. And I think if we continue to see this performance and this production out of those top two teams in the AL West, the Astros might actually get a run for their money. Wild overreaction. The Astros might get challenged in the American League West based on what's unfolded in the first week of the season. Wild overreaction. But I love it. Second overreaction, the Atlanta Braves might be the, the Atlanta Braves might be the best team in the entire sport of baseball. They score a million runs. Their pitching is unbelievable. Their starting rotation is very good. And they have Ian Anderson and Mike Soroka sitting in the minor leagues right now. Ian Anderson, uh, rookie of the year runner-up or third-place finisher. Mike Soroka, rookie of the year runner the point is, they have the Braves have such an incredibly deep lineup, such an incredibly deep pitching repertoire or uh, pitching staff. They have young weapons. They have veteran weapons. They have an incredible bullpen. The Braves are built to win the World Series, and based on the first week of games, they are the best team in Major League Baseball. The last overreaction is that the Mariners may not be as good as we think. They start off the year two and five. One week into the season, massive overreaction that probably has no basis behind it and will not stand true at the end of the season. But the Mariners may be a little bit more fraudulent than we thought after having what appeared to be a pretty magical run last year. And this year coming out of the gates, two and five. That's a wild overreaction. But those are our major overreactions to start. I think they're pretty funny. I think it's also pretty funny to, to jump into the segment like that, knowing that basically most of what I'm saying is, is has no deep basis behind it. But we do have some stuff to go off of. We have seen a few rounds of, of pitchers come through. A couple guys have made multiple starts. Oh, and the other thing I'll say... <clears throat> The last overreaction, the last massive overreaction after a week's worth of baseball games. The Mets might just be straight up a cursed franchise. And that's not even based off of all the stuff that's happened on the field during the regular season. But like losing Edwin Diaz, Francisco Lindor being massively overrated, overpaid, and underperforming. Max Scherzer, old as hell. Justin Verlander, old as hell. Will the Mets be in the playoffs at the end of the year? Probably. Are the Mets potentially one of those teams that we could look back and say, how did they miss the playoffs? Also a possibility. That's all I'm going to say. So that's our overreactions. That's how we start off episode 33 here. Uh, but more more relevant and a topic that I wanted to talk about and spend some time discussing. Okay. As everybody knows here, the pitch clock has been implemented in the season so far and game times have gone down significantly. Baseball games in the major league so far this regular season have seen a 25 minute, 30 minute decrease in length of the game. 
And that's something that Rob Manford wanted to get done as soon as possible. He wanted that to happen because Major League Baseball, the front, the the owners in Major League Baseball, Rob Manford, the commissioner, they have an imperfect understanding of what it takes to draw more fans into a sport and create a more entertaining product. The entire league offense in Major League Baseball has a massive imperfect understanding that their understanding of what fans like, how fans continue to watch, what keeps fans around, it is an imperfect understanding. That's the best way I can describe it. They think make the game shorter, make things move faster, instant gratification, action, 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 when in reality, the pitch clock doesn't do any of that. It makes the length of the game shorter. It potentially makes the pace a little bit quicker, but... Baseball is a sport in and of itself that lacks a lot of action, a lot of time with the ball in the field of play. And with the new pitch clock rules, the old the old thing that was about baseball, like, oh, well, in a typical nine-inning Major League Baseball game, the ball is actually only in play for, like, six minutes of total in-play time over a three-hour span. That's crazy, right? But that's also just baseball. That's how the sport works. So when you add a pitch clock and you speed things up, that number of the amount of time the ball is in play, it's not going to change. That's the nature of baseball. Guys still throw 100 miles an hour. It's still incredibly difficult to hit and put the ball in play. So the amount of time that the ball is in play is not changing. All it's doing is shortening the length of the game. That's all it's doing by adding in a pitch clock. Number one. Number two, it's not allowing the best and brightest athletes in the sport. Well, hold on. We'll get into that in a second. But that... Their understanding, the, the, the league office and their front, their understanding of the pitch clock is shortened game means it's more attractive for people. More people will watch. We'll make more money in the ratings on TV and we'll be richer, according to the owners. And Manfred's a mouthpiece for the owners, so that's exactly what he's trying to do with the pitch clock. It's an entirely imperfect understanding of how to continue to grow the game gain more fans, retain fans, make sure they stick around and continue to watch, and provide a more entertaining product for the people that choose to tune in and go to games. It makes no sense. Yesterday, April 5th and 20... Uh, yesterday, I'll say it like this. In the world of baseball, on Wednesday, April 5th, the only thing that I saw on my timeline or in the major discussions about the sport of baseball were pitch clock issues and how that's become the main focal point of the entire sport. The only thing I saw on my timeline, Shohei Otani becomes the first player ever to get called for a pitch clock violation as a hitter and as a pitcher. Tim Anderson doesn't get granted time because the pitch clock was winding down. Subsequently gets ejected. The day before, Manny Machado doesn't get granted time. Pitch clock drama gets ejected. What are we talking about? What are we doing? Manny Machado is a superstar player that should be on the front page of all the different parts of the league. Manny Machado should be marketed all over Major League Baseball. Instead, he's over here getting ejected because of a pitch clock dispute. Tim Anderson, another great, incredible spokesperson for the game is over here getting ejected because of a pitch clock violation dispute. Shohei Otani, a global, 
global superstar baseball talent, arguably one of the greatest baseball players that's ever walked on the planet Earth. And the main headlines in the sport of baseball coming out of the league on a Wednesday, the first week of the season is their superstar, global, gr incredible, you know, representation of the game. The, the most popular baseball player in the world is getting called for double pitch clock violations in the same game. That's the headlines that are coming out of baseball on a Wednesday, not even a weekend of the season. Game times are down. But who cares? Who cares? Here's my hot take. When I turn on a game and throw it on, maybe like in the background while I'm cooking dinner or while I'm on my phone or doing something else, and I flip the game on, and it's the top of the first inning, the game starts at 6 o'clock p.m., I look down at my phone and I look back up 20 minutes later, and it's the top of the third? Now, let me say it like this. I'll make it even more clear. Here's my take on the whole situation with baseball and the pitch clock. This might be an unpopular opinion. This might be an unpopular take. Old man yells at clouds. But when I turn on a baseball game and it starts at 6 p.m. and I look away or I get distracted or I end up doing something else for 15 minutes and three innings go by, I don't like that. That's not how the game of baseball is supposed to go. Oh, they want more action. They want more stuff going on. It's more entertaining. More, more fans can be more engaged. Ban the shift. Quicker, faster. Boom, 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 boom. Well, guess what? The offensive efficiency of these teams is going to go down. And when teams are getting shut down, they're going to get shut down by a guy working quickly, throwing the ball over the plate. And next thing you know, you come across a game like the Marlins played against the Twins, where, yeah, Sandy Alcantara pitched an amazing game. He's an incredible pitcher. But the game lasted under two hours. Can you imagine you and two of your buddies dropped 500 bucks a piece on tickets to that game? You went and sat behind home plate, and you were only there for two hours? A whole Major League Baseball game? But that's... But... But in the 40s, those games were two hours. You used to go to the game, start it at three, and be home by supper. You understand, it was basically a game of pitcher and catcher playing catch, and if the guy made contact with the ball, he'd hit a weak dribbler in the infield because they were playing with squishy balls, swinging 50-ounce bats on fields that had dimensions of 500 feet all the way around. It's a different game. Stop comparing it to baseball in the 1940s. Oh, well, it worked in the minor leagues. Games were shorter in the minor leagues. Those games don't matter. They don't matter. Stop comparing it to baseball in the 40s. Stop comparing it to the minor leagues. It's Major League Baseball, dude. We can't have superstar players having their at-bats ended on pitch clock violations. It can't happen. Oh, you're overreacting. It's fine. You'll get used to it. It is what it is. The players seem to be fine with that. It's a level playing field. Everybody's having to deal with it at the same time. Most players, I would guarantee, I would guarantee most players, you go into a major league locker room and ask them, what do you think of the pitch clock? 
I'd argue, I actually, I'd bet my life that 80% of them would say, I, I don't really like it. It's not great for the game. And then if you went into a specifically a group of nine guys that were all hitters in the lineup, I guarantee you all nine, if if not all nine of them, eight, eight out of nine on average would go, yeah, I don't like the pitch clock. I feel rushed. I don't feel like I can gather my breath. I don't really like the timeout rule. And it's definitely an advantage to the pitchers. On the flip side, if you see a pitcher come out of the bullpen, and he's a bullpen, you know, he's a guy that lacks a little bit of command occasionally, right? Or in the case of, let's say, Trevor May. Trevor May was asked about the pitch clock today. A pitcher in the major leagues on the Chris Rose rotation. Okay, let's take a listen here on the Chris Rose rotation to what Trevor May, major league pitcher, had to say about the pitch clock and what's unfolded in the first week of the season. Let's take a listen here to what Chris, uh, to let, just sit back and listen to what Trevor May, major league pitcher, had to say on the Chris Rose rotation about what's unfolded with the pitch clock so far in this 2023 Major League Baseball season. And I've been in favor of the pitch clock to see how it works. I also have been steadfast that we need to That's be Chris able Rose. to slide it. Maybe yeah. add a few seconds here or there. I mean, do, would that help you immensely if it was... Oh, my God. If it were if we're just 20 all the time, done. it's fixed. That way I can shake a pitch and, like, execute a game plan. Because... Believe it or not, people in the in the commissioner's office, pitchers have to make decisions based on information, and there's actually a process happening when we choose what we're throwing. We're not just guessing, and we're not just doing it to get the game going. We're actually trying to compete. It's silly. It's it's I don't know. It's unserious. It feels unprofessional. They decided that Double A is the same as the big leagues, which is concerning. That if you can't tell the difference between you know one game mattering and the other one not mattering. I thought that was pretty much one-on-one -on -one baseball. And, the you know, we got 19-year-old kids behind the plate trying to learn. And I just have to say yes to them because it's our only option. And that's just not a way to get better. I, it does feel a bit rushed. Once again, I am in favor of same. trying to do things. I like to pace. Improve pace the game. is very important. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's a, that's a great talking point there from Trevor May. Okay. And this is another piece on the pitch clock. When the Major League pitch clock or the thought process of the pitch clock comes into play in Major League Baseball, the concept, the overall concept of pace of play is not a bad concept. It's not a bad idea. In fact, most pitchers would probably tell you, yeah, I like to maintain a steady pace in the game. I like to work not overly quickly, but I like to dictate the speed and the pace in which the game is developing. Because if I'm doing that as a pitcher, that means I'm doing my job. What that doesn't mean is you get... 13 seconds, basically, to decide what pitch you're going to throw, shake off any other secondary options that might come through from the catcher, come set, get your brain mentally focused, and then be able to execute a pitch. Do that all over again, over and over and over. Rushed, 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 rushed. The pitch clock 
in theory, is not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. But what it is right now is it's being extremely poorly executed. To sit back and ask these mid to late 50-year-old, 60-year-old guys behind home plate to track a baseball coming in at 95 miles an hour. Focus on a pitcher on the mound. Is he balking? Is he not? Oh, there's a clock out there. Oh, what's the batter doing? Oh, is the pitcher delivering the ball in time? Oh, pitch comes across the, pl across the plate. Did he check swing or not? Catcher's interference. Hit by pitch. There are so many things that a home plate umpire already has to keep track of. And then to, to stack on top of these guys' plates, oh, there's a clock, by the way. So you have to see the clock, the pitcher, and the batter all at the same time, all while keeping track of all the other expectations and duties as a home plate umpire. It is bananas. It's bananas that they are asking these guys to do this. And it's even crazier that they went from no pitch clock to 15 seconds between batters. It seems like that's a long time, 15 seconds. It's not a long time. It is not a long time. It's extremely fast, and it's way too fast, especially to go from 0 to 100 and just jump straight into it. Why would they not run the pitch clock out at 25 seconds to start? And then maybe shrink it down a second or two as months go by because they realize, yeah, we could shave off a second or two here and there and then eventually end up saving 15 or 20 minutes of game time. So to go from zero to 15 seconds is bananas. And it just proves, again, most people's perspective and point. Actually, it proves my perspective and the fact it proves my take on the commissioner's office and the commissioner himself, that those guys don't know anything about the sport of baseball. They had never played it seriously or competitively at any level above T-ball. And all those guys care about is creating a better product, AKA shorter games, more instant gratification. So it's more appealing to fans, more people watch ratings go up and the owners and the commissioner and the league make more money. That's all they care about is making more money. Anybody. If I hear one more person justify the pitch clock and talk about how, Oh, the pitch clock has made the game better. I like the pitch clock. It's made the game so much better. Games were too long or whatever. You got you got duped, man. You got duped by the league. You got duped. You got tricked. You got you got tricked into them convincing you that they were doing it to make a better product in the field. That's not why this was implemented. The pitch clock was not implemented by the league. Because they care about the fan. They want the fan to have a better viewing experience. The people who watch baseball are going to continue to watch baseball. The people who hadn't been watching baseball before the pitch clock are not all of a sudden going to go, oh, you know what? Those games are 25 minutes shorter. Now I'm locked in on baseball every single night. That's not going to happen. It's not happening already if you look at the ratings numbers for Major League Baseball, especially in the primetime slots. The pitch clock has done nothing to ratings. It is going to... It, it's going to continue to do nothing for ratings. And all it's going to do is start to diminish the game more and more and more, make it more and more unserious. M more star players are going to have problems. Guys are going to get ejected. And then the dominant headlines that are coming through on a daily basis are stuff like Shohei Otani becomes first player ever to get double pitch clock violation. That's the headline coming out of the league. Yikes. 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 So far, we're not even a week into the major league season. We've had two all-star calibers, potentially borderline superstar players get ejected over disputes with the pitch clock. 
And the main headline that came out of the league for most of the day on Wednesday, April 5th was superstar player, global phenomenon, Shohei Otani becomes the first player ever to get a double pitch clock violation. Once as a pitcher, once as a hitter, both in the same game. Hey, 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 Major League Baseball. Hey, hey, here's an idea. Get rid of the pitch clock. 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 That way, Shohei Otani isn't getting called for pitch clock violations as a hitter, and he doesn't have one fewer strike to work with. That way, he has a better at-bat and then puts out a more entertaining product for your fans to watch. How about, how about that? Did you ever think about that? We want to get the games going. We want to get the games going. Fast, 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 fast. Get the games going. More people are going to watch. We're going to make more money. More, 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 more. Stupid. Stupid, dumb, stupid. In the meantime, in the meantime, as Major League Baseball implements all these rule changes in the sport, pitch clock, shift ban, pickoff limitations, all the while, they continue to be completely absent and have no idea what they're doing when it comes to marketing the best part about their game, the players, the players, the baseball players, the best part about their game, the players, they just don't market them. And they still have blackout restrictions in their streaming service, MLB.tv. And situations are handed to them on a platter that are oozing with human interest in spots like Grayson Rodriguez, Orioles prospect, number six prospect in the entire sport of baseball, making his major league debut, having a good outing, coming off the field and meeting up with his family after the game and an incredibly emotional and touching moment. Major League Baseball doesn't post one piece from it, doesn't do anything about it, and it's just crickets on it. Doesn't cover it, doesn't do anything about it, doesn't make it a big deal, doesn't emphasize the human element and the story of achievement and love and all these different things that would potentially grow the game. Instead, they're busy releasing, uh, they're busy putting out PR statements talking about how much shorter the game times have been and feeding it to MLB reporters. It's, Major League Baseball's marketing and and PR initiatives and people in charge of growing the game are so incredibly incompetent and misled that it's really sad to see. And I think ultimately this whole pitch clock, rule change, Rob Manfred situation is going to ultimately lead the game in the direction of failure as opposed to the direction of growth. I personally believe that. If you want to implement a pitch clock, you can't go from zero to 100. You can't. If you want to implement a clock and you want to get the game going a little bit and you want to dictate pace a little bit more, it's not that hard. You just do a universal 25-second pitch clock. That type of clock, that time span would not be an issue for 98% of pitchers in the league. And there would be no complaints. And the pace of the game would probably still be pretty quick. You'd probably still shave off 
10 to 15 minutes of game time. And anybody who violates that extensively long 25-second pitch clock gets punished a little bit more severely so that they learn their lesson and then they can they can learn from it and not become an issue. It's really that easy. It's really sad to see. If I'm being honest, it's really sad. It's really sad to see, man, for the league. And uh, it's just, it kind of sucks. The last thing we'll talk about here, guys, is, is a more of a, it's more of a funny type situation, I guess you could call it. Um, if you want, no matter your perspective here on this Fernando Tatis Jr. situation, I think more than anything, it's just a funny piece to talk about. So, Fernando Tatis Jr., Padres superstar player, gets suspended for PEDs. He is now making his way back onto the field, but before he's eligible to return to Major League games, he's still technically suspended, but he's able to rehab, and he's allowed to work out with the minor league teams and play games for them. So, last night, so Tatis goes yard for the Padres minor league affiliate team. It's a home run. Bat flips. And all the different things happen. And uh, San Diego Reporter sends out a tweet with the highlight of the homer saying, Cade McClure, who is the pitcher in this situation, will be telling people for years about the time he gave up an absolute nuke to Fernando Tatis Jr. Cade McClure himself quoted the tweet and said, and, and basically with a correction to what the reporter said, and Cade's correction says, Peter hits a home run on a rehab assignment during a steroid suspension. So... Cade McClure is salty because he gave up a home run and became the butt of the joke and then had to take it out personally on a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr. I think honestly, more than anything, it's like funny. It's not much to make fun. It's not much to make a big hoopla about. But definitely, Cade McClure in this situation is and is is currently and will continue to get roasted for this situation. A because there's tons of people who are super diehard fans of Tatis. B at the moment, Tatis is in the minor. He's not breaking the rules and like doing something he shouldn't be doing because he Cade McClure says cheater hits a home run on a rehab assignment during a steroid suspension. Again, I don't think a lot of people would actually characterize Fernando Tatis Jr. as like a cheater. Like he wasn't like actively playing in games and then got popped for taking injection grade human growth hormone. Like he was, he he got caught with a steroid cream when he was trying to recover faster from an injury. He was embarrassed to have sustained because he was riding a motorcycle. So he's made a lot of mistakes. Nobody, I don't think, will continue to call Fernando Tatis Jr. just a flat-out cheater in his career. That's number one. Number two, Cade McClure is also implying in the situation that his rehab assignment is happening while he's still, like, actively suspended. Everything Fernando Tatis Jr. is doing right now is within the rules. Uh, So Cade McClure is essentially extremely salty, and I totally understand that. Uh, you know, because it doesn't feel good to be the butt of the joke. But I think if you're Cade McClure in that situation, the best way to go about it moving forward 
is to probably just avoid the situation. Or here's another alternative. Maybe don't give up a home run to Fernando Tatis Jr. And then you won't be the butt of the joke. Just saying, buddy. Just saying. Uh, but that's that's pretty much the episode, guys. I just I guess maybe use it as an opportunity to rant a little bit about the pitch clock. Uh, because the pitch clock is is really, really bad. Um it's super disappointing and super disheartening to be a really big baseball fan and to watch more than one game basically a day and my own favorite team every single day and be so focused and so concerned on the pitch clock and have a full week of the season go by and the only thing anybody is talking about is something that's not actually related to the product on the field and the players and the highlights of the game. The main talking point for the first full week of the season has been almost exclusively the pitch clock. That's so bad. That's so embarrassing. It's so bad. And the only reason it's been implemented, contrary to what everybody believes, is to get more people to watch, to boost ratings, so that would make more money for the owners and the commissioner. That's the only reason it's being implemented. Everybody that's defending it and saying that it's better for the game of baseball and all these different things, I agree that pace of play is probably better. And yeah, you know what? There is a decent amount of dead time in the sport. That's also just how baseball works. And if you don't like that, then nobody's forcing you to sit around and watch games every day. But if you're the person that's like dying on this hill of pitch clock and defending it with your life, I'm sorry, but you got duped by the commissioner and by the league. I'm not saying the pitch clock is the worst thing that's ever happened, but I don't think it's good for the game. And it's certainly not being implemented and designed to assist in the viewing experience of the fan. It's being implemented to try to draw in fans from other sports who are used to structural sport, uh, the sports they're watching outside of baseball being more action-packed, more instant gratification, more points being scored, bigger hits, bigger player, things like that. It, it's, it's being implemented to draw more fans in. From sports that are more instant gratification based. Baseball is not like that. That's not how the sport is designed. And now we're getting star players getting ejected from games and, and it's 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 bad, man. It's really bad. But let me know what you guys think about it on social media. Be sure to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube all the above. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Hopefully they do something. Hopefully they do something about the pitch clock. Hopefully. Otherwise, guys, appreciate you guys tuning into episode 33 of Between the Stitches. A little bit disheartening. Hopefully, the next time we talk, things will maybe be addressed a little bit more. Because I mean, honestly, because I'm such a big proponent against the pitch clock, and I I I hate it so much, and I probably didn't use the right word there in proponent, but because I'm so against the pitch clock, 
honestly, my biggest hope is that there continues to be star players running into disputes with it and running into issues and guys start to get more and more frustrated with it and voice their opinions more and more and more. And then it ends up getting pushed back or completely removed. Uh, because ultimately that's the only thing that's going to happen. That's going to create changes if the players themselves voice their displeasure with it. So either way, guys, I, I hope, I hope you guys enjoyed episode 33 between the stitches. We love the sport of baseball. We want it to flourish. We want it to succeed. And uh, hopefully by the next time we talk and we record an episode, maybe things will be addressed or at least discussed. So otherwise, we'll talk to you guys in the next episode of Between the Stitches. Check us out on social media, like I said, and uh, we'll catch you guys later. Thanks for listening to Between the Stitches. Follow Phenomenal Fan Media on social media for more. And subscribe on Patreon for exclusive content.